Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Don McCauley. Today we're welcoming your program author, John Tebow, and he is the author of How to Change a Law. Before I bring in today's guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews are available on our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and Amazon Fire TV. Our app name on all platforms is simply The Author Show. John, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on, Don. I appreciate it. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. I worked in government affairs at MCA, a large entertainment company, and from that experience, realized that people are frustrated and I wanted to show people how to actually get things done in the field of policy and politics. I worked at MCA and then later was a VP at eBay and Financial Engines and uh, did graduate work at UCLA as well. So tell us about your book. Yeah, the book is called How to Change a Law and it's really a self-help manual for average people who are frustrated particularly frustrated voters who want to be able to get something done where maybe your legislator isn't listening to you and you really want to find a way to solve key problems in your community. So who did you write your book for specifically? Who's your target audience? It seems that it's mostly small business folks who are between the ages of, say, 35 to 55, evenly spaced for American citizens, roughly uh, male and female, folks who are looking at changing laws in their community or in their small business. Now, could you say there's any type of central message or perhaps underlying theme that you would say runs throughout your book? I think one of the key things is that people are frustrated because in terms of politics, they don't know how to get things done. And so what I've done is simplify it so that you have an easy to understand method for dealing with your local representative, whether it's at the federal, state or local level, or even a homeowners association. So if you had to choose, what would you say is the single most important idea you're sharing in your book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? Yeah, I believe there are three things that people really need to understand when they look at this. And one is that apathy and some of these other things really prevent us from taking action. But the simple way to move forward is to really say, you know, there's a way for you to get something done and you can be empowered and actually make changes in the political world. So if you could compare your book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? Well, I think a lot of people are familiar with Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, but it has a very particular way of doing things and was written a long time ago. What I'm looking at is saying there's a more realistic way of dealing with current policy situations and with politicians at this time. So tell me, how do you change a law? Well, there are three key things that I think you do. One is you need to clarify your issue. You need to build a coalition. And the third thing is you need to appeal to a higher authority. With those three things, and if they're done right, you're going to at least have some level of success as you move forward. So what do you mean by build a coalition? Well, building a coalition, Don, is probably one of the toughest things that people do. For instance, people sign petitions. All you're doing is signing a form and hoping that enough other people sign the form. In terms of building a real strategic coalition, what you need to do is figure out who your representative is, 
find people who agree with you or even people who dissent so that you have some kind of debate so you can sharpen your argument about what it is you want to get done. And then you need to align with the right members in your community and the right members of the committee who are going to decide about whether or not they're going to get this bill sponsored on your behalf. So how do you find enough people that agree with you? We built a website where we allow that to happen, where if you have an issue, you can say, hey, my issue happens to be the environment. And then we start matching you up with other like-minded people who support that. So if someone says, hey, I want to save the whales, the people who are the whale people would come to that. If it has to do with vaccinations, then the people who are looking at vaccinations would have the ability to either support or modify what they're saying with regard to your particular idea or proposition or ballot measure. So I hate to bring up the subject, but let's talk about politicians. You mentioned that we get enough people and we go to the politicians and we present our idea. How's that actually done? Yeah, there's actually a couple of test cases that I have where what you do is you go to the person who is in your community or your political district. So you need to go to your representative in your district and you present the idea to them. And if they like it, then they often will have their director or legislative person. They'll pull together a summary of it and then sponsor that on the floor of the House or Senate. That can happen at the local level. And I have people who've actually gotten that done. Tell us about one of those people. Yeah, a good example is a man named Chet Campanella in San Jose, California, who had an idea for a bill where he wanted to get a specific thing done regarding Italian-Americans who were treated as non-citizens during the Second World War. It's an old case, but what he did was he presented that to the senator at the time, Senator Joe Simidian. It was presented on the uh, Senate floor in California. They sponsored the bill, moved it forward, and they got an apology from the state. But he went further than that. He actually got Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren from San Jose to support the bill the way I talked about a moment ago. Her staff wrote it up and they put two bills in Congress in the last session where they ended up going to the Judiciary Committee. So he moved it along pretty far. And as you may know, there are something like 10,000 bills in Congress per session. So he wasn't able to move his forward when their passage rate is somewhere in the range of around 3%. You know, we read about all of these polls, you know, 50% of people want this and 75% of people want that. Why is there no action being taken when we look at, you know, a huge group of people who want to see a change, but nothing ever happens? Do you have any idea why that might be? Yeah, sometimes what happens is people generally saying, like you said with a poll, they give an opinion about what they want to get done, but they haven't really clarified the issue in a really specific way. So when you're dealing with a politician, they think in terms of bills, they think in terms of their schedule and their timeline. So if you had your idea piggybacked on a bill and said, look, I want to do something on H.R. 2134 and I want this amendment in and you explained it in a very clear way, what you're really doing is presenting a solution to the politicians so they don't have to go figure it out from scratch. So what's been your most rewarding experience since publishing your book? One really interesting one is a uh, woman from San Diego recently contacted me and said, I'm a big fan, which I was flattered by. And she said, I have an issue that I want to talk to you about. And what it had to do with was elder abuse. In her particular case, what happened was her father, her aging father, ended up marrying a younger woman after his wife died. And then the woman came in after her third or fourth marriage and 
was able to actually become the guardian of the guy. And when he died, the kids were taken out of the will completely, removed from the trust. And in some cases like this, they didn't even know or were not notified when their father passed away. And the new woman who came in, these are called predatory marriages. When she came in, she actually prevented them from having access to her father or knowing anything about him. And the uh, San Diego district attorney is working on trying to get this uh, resolved, but it's a civil matter, not a criminal matter. The people are heartbroken. They're really trying to move this thing forward again. So did your environment or upbringing play any major role in the writing of this book? I actually had um, been working as a screenwriter for a while. And what caused me to do this was I had success at eBay and Financial Engines. And we were looking at the relationship between the buyer and the seller. And I thought, what other markets are like that? And I thought the voter and the politician. And there was so much friction between the voter and the politician, just as we had with eBay. There was a lot of problems between the buyer and the seller and being able to conduct business. I see the same thing with the political sphere. And so I looked at it and said, I wonder if there's a way to solve this problem. And when I talked to a lot of folks, no one really had a quick answer. They said, well, you give money to a campaign or you be, you run for office or you sign a petition. But I think those are all inadequate methods of moving forward on this topic. So I thought, let me look at what the problems are and let me see if I can figure out a way to begin to solve it, to make it easier for people to be able to get something done. Now, how would you describe the writing style you're using in this book? I think it's casual and informational in the sense that I talk about personal stories. I bring in some stories of people who've had success. I think it serves as a warning for folks who don't take action because I think part of it is I wanted to simplify what is typically a very complex and intimidating aspect of this thing. I mean, it's really a sort of lobbying for the masses. And again, if I refer to the woman in San Diego who is very familiar with it, she said that they in her case, had folks who were spending as much as 200000 trying to work out these problems through the courts. And when she came back to me and we talked, she said, it's unbelievably complex, it's unbelievably intimidating, and it's really hard for people to sustain it. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And what I'm trying to do is just simplify it. So the writing style really adheres to that so that people can understand what it is. Now, most authors have a very specific reason for writing a particular book. What was your reason for writing this book? My thinking behind this was that it was something I was familiar with. When I worked in government affairs in the mid-90s, I was around lobbyists, attorneys, senators, congressmen, heads of state, and we were doing this every day. And I realized that the top 1% know how to make change in the policy field and at the political level. Years later, fast forward after eBay, I realized 99% of America does not know and they don't realize how these things operate in the background. And I thought that wouldn't it be great, I, perhaps naively, I thought wouldn't it be great if people knew, then they would take action. And what I've realized is that because it's so difficult in some ways, most people don't. But I was still determined to be able to say, Let's find a way to see if we can move this forward so more people can get things resolved and not have to do <laughs> the things that people are doing, which is burning police cars or buildings or protesting in the streets. So what part of your book would you say you personally like best? I think the part that catches people the most and I personally feel is the strongest has to do with the personal stories, which are success stories of people who were able to get something done. And it ranges from 
everybody from the original story of Mothers Against Drunk Driving all the way to a 12-year-old girl in Pennsylvania who was able to change something in a lunch program and get the uh, Pennsylvania State Senate to change a law regarding school lunches. Other than selling the book, of course, is there anything else you hope to accomplish with it? Yeah, the book serves as a manual to sort of move people toward the website because you can't just read a book and expect to make change. The book gives you a very simple process for the steps that you would take. And in reality, then you need to have a platform to be able to move forward and really in a social media kind of world, get together with other people to be able to build these coalitions. And that's what the website does when it is used effectively. So in your opinion, who should buy your book? I think frustrated voters who are serious about a particular issue and they have had something to lose But they're also willing to realize and understand that there is a way for people to come together and do what some people have described as crowdfunded lobbying, because that's essentially what you're doing. Lobbying is expensive. It mostly is served by the folks who are at the corporate level. The cost, however, can come down if more people are involved and share that cost. Where can we find the website? The website for the company is at www.ilobby.co, but they can also get more information at changealaw.com. And we have videos and other information and links to the various books as well, which are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Could you spell your name for us, please? Sure. John, J-O-H-N, and Tebow, spelled T-H-I-B-A-U-L. Well, Mr. Bendos, great. Our guest today has been John Tebow, and he is the author of How to Change a Law. John, thanks very much for being with us today. Really appreciate it, Don. Thanks for uh, having me. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. Go out there by How to Change a Law today, and please share this interview with your friends so that they, too, have the opportunity to discover our guests and their work. The Author Show can be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com. Selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Fire TV, the Roku Channel, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many more. And whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books to read, The Author Show is a great place to start. Check us daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.